Welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Today's podcast is being recorded from the London headquarters of event app provider Guidebook. A big thank you to the Guidebook team for allowing us to set up the Talking Events studio in their offices. You can get in touch with the podcast using its dedicated Twitter feed at Talking Events. You can also watch a video recording of each podcast via the Event Industry News YouTube channel. Today, we're going to be talking about sustainability within events. Uh, what is it? Why should events be aware of it? What impact can it have? Um, we're going to begin by uh, referencing a, a bit of news that came out last month. Um, Ipswich-based Midas Productions claimed to be the first temporary power company to adopt Green D plus diesel, a renewable fuel said to outperform both fossil diesel and conventional biodiesel. Distributed exclusively in the UK by Green Biofuels, it has been shown to deliver significantly lower emissions of nitrogen oxides and particulates compared with rival fuels. Um, with that in mind, joining the podcast today is Jonathan Anderson from Green Biofuels. Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, we've also got Jonathan Smith, Head of Operational Development at Farnborough International Airshow. Thank you. Uh, and Nick Howden from uh, All Access Communications. Um, been involved in the event industry now for well over 12 years and uh, a wealth of experience in uh, interviewing and, and dealing with, uh, with organisers. Nick, thanks for joining us. No problem. Um, Jonathan Anderson, let, let's, let's begin with you. What is um, this new fuel? Tell us what it is and, and how it came about. Green D Plus is a renewable diesel. We've actually just changed the name from Green B Plus, which I'll come back and explain why. Mm -hmm. um, renewable diesel is made by a completely different way from biodiesel. It's the source, material is still the same. It's vegetable oil, waste, cooking oil, animal fat, etc. But instead of using alcohol, which is called esterification to produce biodiesel, they use hydrogen and that produces a pure diesel. In fact, it has exactly the same chemical formula of diesel without aromatics, and it's the aromatics which cause the issue that red diesel, or gas oil as you like to call it, has. The, they also isomerize it, I changed the chemical structure at the distillery, and that means it comes out naturally at minus 32 cloud forming point or the freezing point of minus 32 and it can be made down to about minus 46. Mm -hmm. um, that's far better than red diesel which is naturally about minus 12 to minus 16 and far better than any biodiesel. The best being from rapeseed methyl ester which is about minus 12 and the rest getting worse and worse till you get to palm oil which is about plus 10 and animal fat of plus 15. Not much good on a cold day like we've been having recently in the English summer. Um, the other issues you have with biodiesel is it has a lot of oxygen in it. That causes more NOx to be produced than normal diesel, about 10 or 12% more NOx. It also means it doesn't, it's not very stable in storage, so it has a shelf life of about six to eight months, if you're lucky. It tracks water, so again, its storage life is not good, and by attracting water, it's not great in the engine engines don't like water and it also because its <coughs> production process is difficult it often has a lot of contaminants in it which cause issues with engines and everyone has knows all about that and it also is not an issue much now but the old engines it will um, melt the um, old gaskets and finally 
it has a very high boiling point, about minus 160. That means that when it drops into your oil sump, which runs at around 90 degrees C, it doesn't evaporate, so you need more oil changes. So we've got, we've got all, all the technical information is, is there, the stats are there, mm. and uh, and it's gonna, it's an improvement on what was available. Nick, it, your experience of, of, of dealing with and interviewing and speaking to event organisers, how big an impact will this change in fuel and this, this opportunity to deploy this new type of fuel have on events in terms of their sustainability? Well, what's exciting about it, I think, is that anybody can use this. And so it's not down to particular companies having a particular mindset to use it. It's it's open and, and can be blended with um, and without any uh, engine modification with traditional power companies, which means that actually I can't see any reason why everyone won't be using this ultimately. So just to clarify, it's a, it's a straightforward switch. A generator yeah. company could deploy this fuel and there's no re-engineering of their hardware? None. It's an ASDM D9752D fuel. Two words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and all engine manufacturers want that fuel. It is the standard fuel, diesel fuel of America. So when we're looking at factors affecting event sustainability in terms of their carbon emissions, in terms of their green footprint, in terms of them seeking a more eco-friendly delivery of their events, fuel is obviously a huge factor, isn't it? Um, we're going to come over to, to Jonathan Smith from Farmer International Air Show. Um, how big a factor is, is fuel in terms of an event sustainability at your particular event? I think it's large because although we've got a, a quite a large permanent infrastructure, we rely on temporary generators. Um, it's, it's partly a greenfield site, some of the areas, and a lot of it is, is permanent infrastructure. So yes, we have an impact on all our, our particularly our generator providers. Um, but also that impacts everybody else as well on, on how far that can go to what's all brought to the site. You know, we take three, three straight, four months to build up the site. I think everybody coming to that site is going to be using either delivering or producing something that's going to, to be using that product. So this has an almighty effect on, on, on the business going forward. Um, one of my question is, is, is one, obviously, how available is this going to be and how quickly and is, is, is stock going to be available and, and what's the impact on costs? Well, well, let's come back to, to, to Jonathan. Is, is a response to, to, to Jonathan's question about availability of the product? Because perhaps um, events have um, been concerned about the availability or lack of other alternative fuels thus far. What's the availability like of, uh, of your particular product? Well, we sourced the base fuel from um, Neste of Finland, who have a large factory at Rotterdam. At the moment, they have available for us 700 million litres. And in a couple of years' time, that will go up to 1.5 billion. So I think we can supply the event industry. We add an additive into it, which is, comes from Oxford University, which further enhances the capabilities. It is effective. It is as effective as diesel. So you've got no loss of power or having to use more liters. It is produces about 35 to 45 percent less NOx. Produces up to 90 percent less particulates and you don't have to do anything to your engine. In fact, if you've got a bit of diesel still in your tank, you just add our fuel on top. It's, it's almost where, where's the catch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is where's the catch. And, and, and well, let's ask that, Nick, where, where is the catch? What um, has been the biggest factor thus far in events not exploring greener options overall and, and greener options for fuel? People, I think there was the, the, the paranoia, and, and it wasn't actually paranoia, that one of the risks is with using traditional biofuels is that it can, temperatures can affect it, it can affect engine performance, you have to make 
you know, changes to to the to the engine you, you're running. And what's what's great about Green D Plus is you don't have to do any of that. And it's and, the, and in terms of cost, the way that it breaks down through various supplements means that it uh, is on a par with red diesel cost. And that so mm. actually there isn't a hook. There isn't anything that there isn't anything that uh, it falls short on because in terms of cost and performance, which are the the two key things for anyone who's buying in power they what will stop them if they say well this is better performance or or it's it's greener but it costs you more they tend they tend to say well no i'm not going to take that because everything's on a quite a tight margin so to have something that performs as well and is as cost effective is it you know there's no reason not to use it jonathan anson forgive me if this is a a a stupid question or an ignorant question but arguably when it comes to um green or carbon emissions relating to fuel at an event one of the biggest contributors is, is actually people getting to and from the event rather than the actual fuel that's consumed by the site itself um can the fuel be used on standard road vehicles could it be used in a diesel engine car for example uh, it's just been warranted by volvo and scan and uh, volvo and scania across the whole range of their trucks and buses so yes it can be used in a uh, normal diesel engine car so legally that's 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 okay? Uh, uh, it's all warranted by the manufacturers. There's no issues. The only issue is supply. Um, as I said, we've got 700 million, uh, million litres. That sounds a lot. The off-road market is about 3.5 billion, and the on-road market of diesel is 25 billion. So we can't supply the on-road market mm-hmm. and also the cost structure and everything. So we're just specialising, I'm afraid, in the off-road market and public transport market to supply because we know we can supply it we cannot supply the average station so Jonathan when sure. you say the public public transport market is that dealing uh, direct with the public transport operators yes buses we're already in testing it on buses and we're also testing it on rail because ourselves along you know with 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 a farnborough event we, we spend a lot of money on our shuttle buses um, going back and forwards whether on site or off site mm. so obviously that have a could have a considerable impact on our running costs. Well, there's another uh, element of event sustainability. And when we talk about getting people to and from site, there's there's um, been a lot of encouragement, certainly in the music festival industry, hasn't there, for car sharing, public transport, mm. Nick. Yeah. Um, you, you've seen a lot of, of festivals try and develop better ways of getting people to and from site. Um, what, what are some, of, could, could we perhaps see any examples of, of how events have done it successfully? Well, green coaches are one of the things that they use. And it's all about getting most people into one mode of transport and, you know, public transport and then shuttle buses and all that sort of thing. But if you can take the emissions out of even that bus journey, then, you know, it's all the organiser who can do. It can't, you know, point a gun at someone's head and say, you've got to come by green transport to my event. But they can make everything in their capacity as green as possible. They've answered their question. I think that's a start because I think a lot of major events that have happened over the last, say, 12 months, you know, and I'm talking about the likes of the... Peugeot Open Golf and there's a Farnborough, the Ryder Cup and all those things. They're all doing this park and ride scheme, which is all, and we do that a lot as well. So again, you, you can only mm. take it so far. You can only go back, you know, you can't, mm. as, as Jonathan has already said, he's, he's going to have a trouble, you know, meeting the demand of the, of, the, of the private user. But even if we can go back to the actual bus companies, you know, so we all utilise them, um, you know, that's going to be a, a big step. So theoretically, if, if we're working with events and looking at events, deploying things like buses to get people to and from their events as opposed to cars and private vehicles, we're in a situation where Green D Plus could be deployed within those buses. Yeah, with no problems at all. Excellent. Let's let's move things on a little bit from from the fuel side of things because Jonathan Smith, having you here today gives us a great uh, opportunity to perhaps look at some of the different 
elements of sustainability um, that an event organiser can, can look to achieve or look to deploy. Um, I understand, just, just before we, we went on air, Farnborough Airshow has gone from generating 2,500 tonnes of, of landfill waste to 300 tonnes of zero landfill waste in six years. Now, when we take into a uh, factor that this is a biannual event, this is this is taking place over three shows, is it a 2,200 tonne reduction in waste and nothing going to landfill? So uh, tell us, in short, how has this been achieved and, and, and why was the target set to, to you know go down to that level? Um, there's no target set. Obviously, you just you hope for you know the the, the, the best and the minimum you can actually do. Mm-hmm. The reason we've got there, and the only reason you can get there, obviously, is total engagement by everybody. You can't do it on your own. Um, you, you, you'd never do it on your own. So you need all our official contractors, our exhibitors. That comes down to good communication, um, actually providing the vehicles, pardon the pun, but the actual vehicles to 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 do it. And that's whether it's with with uh, skips or actually. In the last uh, last air show, we, we actually produced our own transfer station, which is nice to see. And I've been visiting some other shows, and they're, they're, they're continuing that trend, and they're doing that on site. So rather than taking all the waste off site and then thinking about it, they're actually doing the initial picking on site, um, which gives you much more flexibility of of segregating the waste. There's other areas as well. Is is like um, and it's like the diesel thing that's moved on. Is is something like um, plasterboard? A couple of years ago, would have been a hazardous waste. Would have been a landfill product. Um, now that is 100% recyclable. Now we, alongside other events, are turning those products out. So, again, it's, it's, it's been it's 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 now been realised by whether it's the waste transfer people, or whether it's the recycling companies, where there's there's an idea like that, they've taken the next step, and now they're actually offering it to to other events. And so, um, most of our waste um, would be food, wood, metal, um, plastics. But as I said, everybody's looking at it, even whether it's the plastic that covers the chairs that get delivered, the plastic that covers the carpet. Carpet is now obviously 100% recyclable, as long as, again, you state what side of carpet. So again, that's where it comes, you, you get the buying from the various companies, because if you get your regulations right, they need to follow the regulations rather than just turning up with whatever plastic or carpet you want. So again, it's getting all the comms in the right order and, and getting, getting, getting the buying from, from all your contractors. Um, so how difficult has that been to achieve the, the buy-in from your contractors and your suppliers UK not so bad um, I don't know what that sort of sounds just, um, but obviously overseas we had like 50% of our, our exhibitors and visitors are overseas visitors slightly more difficult just purely because of um, communication um, but over in one or two and this is why it's taken probably the three shows because I think the year one was definitely very much a you know just an introduction and once they start seeing and they also they can start introducing to their clients at the end of the day and so if you have one of our primes one of our main clients at the air show if they can demonstrate also back within their pitching the, the, the work they're getting to one of the leading whether it's whether it's a boeing or an airbus or, or some type of company of that of their elk um, they can demonstrate they are showing sustainably ways um, then they're more likely to win that pitch so we're helping them to help us so that's the way we approach it you know we talk to the production companies and the fit out companies um, they're always very interested to sit down with us and hear what are we doing for the next year what are we doing for the next show are we introducing something new that's going to help them to help their clients to deliver a more sustainable show nick you're in a, a good position in that you're in contact and have been in contact with a lot of organizers but equally so with suppliers to the event industry um 
How have you seen the development of the relationship between supplier and event organiser in terms of promoting a more sustainable approach to delivering events? Which side has been the driving force in promoting it or has it been a collaborative effort from your uh, from your perspective? It depends. Yeah, I mean, it, I think um, organisers can set out that they want to and they, there's certificates they can reach and accreditation they can go for and, and that motivates to a degree but again it's a it, it's normally cost driven and, and suppliers if they can answer that question environmentally they will do um, and I think um, it was Alex Tranchard at Stan and Calling who who just to go back to the um, to the power element was saying that uh, you know for you can do as many recycled cups as you like or which is all great stuff and no one will knock it but the essence of making an efficient event is the power that and the and the emissions you generate through power on a site because once the people are in there that's your biggest pollutant so if you can address that which with something like green d plus which is is revolution in every possible sense of the word uh then your the, the battle becomes a lot easier to win so i think that's the most exciting thing that i've heard um in the, sort of the last five ten years is something can be as dramatically different as that which will take um, a massive proportion of your on-site emissions out of the equation how will the how will the message spread not just i suppose to the suppliers of generators which we've identified as being uh, i don't know if the culprit is the right word to use but certainly the biggest instigator of, of emissions off an, of an event site and off of any site that's using temporary power let's face it it's not just events is it this is any site that's using temporary powers is, is going to be guilty of this um how difficult will it be to actually get the message out to, to all of these suppliers but then filter that into organizers and people who are looking to deploy generators you'd have to have your fingers jammed very hard into your ears and be making a strange noise in the back of your throat not to get that message i think because it's it's the most exciting thing out there and and it'll be everywhere if any you know everybody should be talking about it and i think that that getting the message out there is actually not a problem um based on an event for example we'll throw perhaps a, a difficult question but based on an event producing a hundred thousand tons of, of emissions, what are we looking at potentially reducing here? Is there is, is is there research to sort of suggest what percentage of reduction there might be in terms of carbon emissions when using this fuel? Um, <clears throat> yes, it depends on the feed source. If the feed source is pure vegetable oil, then we achieve somewhere between fifty-two and sixty percent carbon reduction. If the feed source is waste cooking oil or tallow, animal tallow, we can achieve up to ninety percent carbon reduction. There is a small premium for that, for, um, for Green D plus source from um, waste vegetable oil or tallow, but not much, but we can get up to 90%. We've identified that cost is, is, is paralleled, isn't it? It's comparative to, to, to existing fuels that are out there at the moment. Mm. Um, coming back to the, to the subject of, of fuels, I'm interested to know, Jonathan Smith, from a an organiser of, of an air show, um, how difficult is it to, to control your own fuel but control the, sort of the, the, the general fuel consumption of what's happening with the people who are coming to exhibit at the show? Because these are, this is the aviation industry. Um, how big an impact are they having on your, uh, your event? Yeah, that's a good question. That's something that's obviously posed all the time. You know, how can you, you know, Mr Farnborough, be quoting all this sustainability stuff when what's flying around in the sky is, is burning X amount? We take the stance that that is very much the business of the aviation industry. We're not the aviation, we're the, we're the, we're, we're the front of the exhibition, giving them the shop window. Um, many of the leading companies are obviously spending a lot of time and money investing in um, new technology that's looking at, um, hence the new uh, 787 Dreamliner, um, which demonstrates, I think, is where they're at regarding making flying as economic as possible. 
um, what we look at as far as at Farnborough in the bit that we control is obviously the exhibition build and what happens the people come into the show and what we actually are in control of on the ground and we tend to leave because they are there are some massive programs out there in the aviation industry which we could probably be sat here talking for, for the next week um, and I don't think we're the experts in that field um, but what we are experts in is delivering a sustainable event um, taking that little part away. Um, Has it prompted consideration in terms of how you actually schedule the incoming aircraft, the outgoing aircraft and the actual show schedule itself? I, th I think it has. I think, I think going on from what I was saying earlier, I think it's, there are a lot of the, the companies who are keen to demonstrate uh, to us and they want to, and as I said, we, we provide a very nice shop window and that's what we provide, that's what we build um, for, these, for these primes to come and demonstrate the latest sustainable flying um, so that's where we work with them on the scheduling to to promote the most you know the most sustainable f flying of what said whether it's a Boeing and Airbus mm. or whoever like that. Um, the one point I wanted to come back to maybe with, with Jonathan and sort of coming into is is where do we think our friends the government might look at this because as far as potential taxes and things because yeah. they they tend to sort of look at something like this and because presumably somebody's going to be losing out here and I'll be concerned as an organizer that this might last for a sort of honeymoon period until maybe somebody wakes up one day in, in, in government and says, oh, hang on, you know, there's, we're, we're losing out here. This is um, too good to be true. Too good to be true. Um, this is where it's going to go. So I just wonder, I'd be interested to know from an organiser point of view where that might... Any thoughts, Jonathan Anderson? Yeah, uh, very good question. Can I just answer something on the aviation industry? I'm not an expert on it because it's not our market, but obviously I keep a close eye on it. And a lot of the new fuels are now is this renewable diesel been used in airlines. Last week alone, two American airlines announced they were switching completely to it. So it is coming in dramatically into the airline industry, and they're probably the biggest user of renewable diesel of any market. So there is progression there. Yes. Excellent. And so, yeah. So coming, coming on to the point about taxes, tax. yeah. Um, at the moment, there's um, for producing electricity at a generator, you have two tax advantages. One is that you don't pay the, re well, you reclaim the rebate duty, which is 11.14p duty, and you also get what's called a ROC. Now, as long as you register your generator or your site, it depends how you power up your site. If it's individual generators all producing power separately, then you have to register each generator. If it's just one site, when all the generators combine, then you just have to register the site, and you get a ROC. And a rock is worth, you get one and a half rocks, in fact, and a rock is worth around um, 16p, so 24p a litre you get back through the power stations having to buy the, this um, thing the government's put in. Now, if you register your site before March 9, 2017, you have that rock for another 20 years. Right. Whatever the government says, that is set in stone. It's then changing after that to what's called contract for differences, but that's, we'll worry about that in two years' time. So you've got two years to register your site for rocks. So this is something that really people should be taking up and then they've got at it. annual events, really, have got yeah. this year to, 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 to get onto it and look at the possibilities of deploying it. So that means that our fuel, uh, depending on whether you want source, whether you want to get 52 to 60 or 90% carbon reduction, um, should be around the same price or slightly less than red diesel with uh, those rebates. Nick, collaboratively, how is the industry working to achieve 
a level of sustainability within its event as a whole. There are a number of different trade organisations and, and groups of event organisers that get together covering the, the entire spectrum of events. Um, collaboratively, how have you seen things develop in terms of how people are communicating with one another to develop as an industry? Um, from I think the trade associations, there isn't one that's got enough teeth uh, from, from where I've sat for a long, long time. I've always had a, a gripe that there's everyone's a little bit self-centred and a little bit about getting their membership fees coming in and sharpening their pencils. So I, I think there's a lot of room for someone who can actually overarch and sit over that and make that happen. Um, but I think uh, that, well, something as fundamental as Green D Plus is actually the anchor for all of that and because you can suddenly have that crashing through all of the doors to sustainability because there's no it's not cost prohibitive and it's, it's, it ticks all of the boxes so actually this is where the groundswell starts I think and you'll find if if it all is if the delivery and that, that's my question really is you know how much how easy is it to to get more in and because I think that that's the crucial thing you know looking to spread it outside events and to make sure it can provide for all events. Well, Midas have, have announced that they're going to use this, am I right in saying, exclusively as their main main fuel now, that they're going to use this as their fuel Well, they've done choice. That they've worked with them, Jonathan, and been pioneering in testing it and, and helping mm. just complete the circle. So they've, they've been great, and they've always been dynamic in that regard. So it, it, it's to their absolute credit. But everyone needs to now follow very quickly behind them. I think. When we say testing it, could we, could we clarify and define what we mean by testing it? Has it been tested in a live event situation? Has it been tested behind closed doors what do we mean by testing we tested it on a couple of Midas's 175 kva generators that they use for events and these results as we said already came out at that at sort of 35 percent nox reduction and 90 percent particulates we actually took we tested it actually on a type 2 generator which might be of interest to the hard companies and we took that generator to tier 5 which is not needed to 2020 or for particulates, and we took it to 3A on NOx. So we made it a much more efficient generator to meet all the new emission standards. Um, since then, we've tested it on a locomotive, and we've come out with the same results. Believe it or not, a, a locomotive is a diesel generator. And um, we're now testing it on buses. Um, the it's been run for a long time, for about two months on a generator, and they've stripped it apart as well and had no issues on the inside of the engine or anything. In fact, the engine was a lot cleaner than diesel because there's no aromatics, so it doesn't leave carbon behind or anything. It actually cleans the engine for you. So there's plenty of testing. Uh, Volvo and Scania tested it for five years on the bus companies of Finland, and that's why they've come out last month warranting it across the whole range of our modern buses in Europe. So we can say that, safely say that the testing has been done and, yes. and, and, and the, the statistics and the information that we're given out today has been proven over a long period yes. of time and not just a few months. Um, I, I'm interested to just come back to, to you, Jonathan uh, Smith, regarding the air show. Um, we've spoken about fuel emissions and fuel playing its part in sustainability. We've spoken about landfill. Um, Another major facet of the event industry in the last few years has been development of technology, digital technology. And I'm curious to see whether or not there is a tie-in in terms of sustainability. Now, one thing I'd, li I'd like to know about the, the event management system that's used for Farnborough for guest admissions, for visitor admissions, for supplier, contractor details. Am I right in saying that most of that is now hosted online and, and through a central portal now? And has that had a, a, an impact on the sustainability and, and carbon reduction? Yeah, as, as you're well aware, that, that's that's something we've been working on for a number of years, and we've now sort of centralised that totally. So right the way through, 
from, as you say, your registration right through to when you arrive on site or, and you said we looked at the most sustainable method of doing that, of, of keeping it under one hub. Um, all the contractors are registered on there, all their needs and all their sort of the buy-in from as a client. So if you're ordering um, requirements, whether it's power or, or carpet or, or a buggy, um, that can all be done online. So, you know, we've, we've sort of cut that right down to the sort of central hub and that's working very efficiently and, and so the, the, the user is now becoming reliant on that and we're just expanding that even more into other areas as well. And what about the tic- ticketing aspect because what, what are the visitor numbers at Farnborough now? Um, obviously we're looking at you know obviously we have the trade obviously we're, we're, we're really two shows so with a trade show during the week Monday to Friday and then the uh, Saturday Sunday um, obviously we're you know the, the actual you know the final numbers um, are so relevant to that obviously mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're growing all the time and um, particularly the public the public show the the trade show tends to be relatively static um, as, as a traditional uh, exhibition um, obviously we're appealing to new new parts of the world mm-hmm. um, but yeah so we're looking at sort of whether it's your your, your, your print at home ticket or your, your actual ticket this ticket i.e. you know your queue your Q codes, etc., yeah, like that, yeah, and with yeah. all your, with all your technology, and and we we pride ourselves at at, at Farnborough, and we're we're pushing. We have a, our own in-house technology group, which we pull together all our, well, I'd say, technology partners um, who work with us, whether it's through the AV, whether it's the the registration system, whether it's our, our IT and telephony, to basically look at what is best out there, what's best practice, what's who's pushing the boundaries. Um, can we collaborate with with companies? Can we work together? So we're, you know we're one family in that sense. Although they might be competitors as far as outside Farnborough boundary, when they come to Farnborough, we very much work as a family. Nick, events can make significant changes to their operations to develop a more sustainable event overall and reduce the, 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 their carbon footprint, their green emissions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they can also be doing small things, can't they? And this is why I asked the question about ticketing, because if you have a, a, an event that has 50,000 people attending and in the past they all had a paper ticket, you can significantly reduce the amount of paper that's being used by going with e-ticketing and, or making use of mobile phones. So it's not just about the major changes that events can make, is it? That There are small refinements that they can uh, adapt within their operations that, that will all have a, a positive effect ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about progress more than probably sustainability if you're being slightly cynical about it, because I think that that's people like innovation, and the more innovation can tie in with sustainability, then that, the better the world is. But it's, uh, it's about progress in a lot of events, and it's about being data capture, isn't it, essentially? So you can get the information fast and furiously from a phone. I think also with that as well, James, it's, it's all about a bit of culture as well, and it's what people get used to. Mm. Coming back to the sustainability thing, you know, if you're five, six years ago, um, even at home, nobody was doing it. It was all going in one big bin. People are doing it now. You know, you go home, you've got your little boxes, you've got your little coloured bin, uh, bins. People now in the office are now expecting it. People come into the office, a new generation, they're coming in. Where is it? Where do I put this? Where do I dump that? And again, if you take that through to your visitor to your show, whether you walk around a permanent venue or we work around a greenfield site as a festival, where do I put this? He said, I, I go to lots of events and it's quite interesting, it's quite sad really, but if you stand and watch people around a bin suddenly gone the days where they just go and dump stuff in there they stand there they consider what the best way okay might not be perfect and they might not put it in the right bin but they're considering what they're doing with that and uh, that's the feedback we're getting is people want to know where, where is their waste going um, it is that's a great example yeah uh, the 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 level of reduction in your um generated waste and the generated waste that's gone to landfill how much of a financial impact has had that on farnborough 
um, in being able to reduce to that level? Because surely you were you were charged for the amount of waste that went to landfill. Well, yes, yeah, you get a landfill tax, and, and it's, it's I think it's over a hundred. I can't fingers fingertips, but it's and it was over a hundred pounds a ton. Um, obviously, that has a has obviously again that's that's a quite an interesting point because a lot of people think recycling and, and that is free. You know, it's it's obviously there is a cost there. Um, quite a considerable cost because all that has to be and say it's setting up a waste transfer station getting the stuff it's, it's, it's a major logistic exercise for our waste company um, taking it to the ports getting it, again unfortunately the UK is catching up but it doesn't have the infrastructure for some of the burners that, that use some of this um, this fuel whether it's whether it's dirty wood or or, or, or some of the other the, the products that have been created so a lot of it unfortunately is going overseas still I think we are catching up and we will have in a number of years so um, yes, there's a there's a financial uh, impact on ourselves just by purely saving that landfill tax. Um, what role can the can we've talked about taxes a little bit? Um, but what role can the can the government play? Um, there was a story on Event News back in February. Um, event expert calls on UK government to lead on sustainability through new business tourism strategy. Um, should the government at a higher level be promoting sustainability not just in the event industry but on a wider level of business any thoughts on that gentlemen weighed in yeah um coming back to buses um some reason the government three years ago decided to take tax biodiesel on buses it has but it was tax-free buses i don't know if one realizes but buses use normal derv and they don't pay 55p they get 34p back so they pay around 21p, and biodiesel up to 2012 was free of that tax, but the government's put it back on. Why? I've no idea. But now we've got this huge issue down Oxford Street. We're part of one of the initiatives to demonstrate, and we're working with Volvo on that, to demonstrate by using this Green D+, it will help the old buses get closer to the tier standards they want but it's going to be a premium price because there isn't the tax advantages on road that you get off-road uh, for creating general... So if the government wants these things to really happen, they've got to seriously look at some of the taxations. A locomotive, the, locom the railway companies, use 650 million litres of diesel a year just running locomotives. I know we're electrifying, but the speed they're doing it at, I could take, I'll be dead, 20 years. <laughs> uh, so if they want the locomotives to be clean and a lot of these locomotives are over 22 years old they spew out emissions they need to locomotives if they use biodiesel or our fuel they do not get tax rebate although they're electrical generator and they do not qualify for rocks so therefore why would a locomotive company pay 20 30p premium just to be cleaner with the amount of money, Nick, that, that mm. the event industry brings into the UK now, and we're talking billions, aren't we, when we look at the industry as a, as a, as a whole, um, there have been successful examples of the events industry not necessarily lobbying, but certainly coming together to, to develop new legislation, whether that be through better better practice in, in staging and hosting and building events. Um, is there any role that the government can play, in your opinion, um, in promoting sustainable events and recognising that the industry contributes such a vast amount to the economy? There's always a... Yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, you know, it, I don't know whether it coming out of a government mouth is, is particularly helpful, actually. I'll, they'll, they'll probably charge the poor for it. Uh, but um, 
I think it's almost better coming from, I think uh, festivals, for example, are a great way to send a message, uh, like Jonathan was saying before, in terms of recycling. And if you have Michael Evers, for instance, on screen saying, this is the way you can do this and the other, or artists performing, your attention will be much greater than it will be if David Cameron's there saying it. Because it's, it's that sort of target market you're going for. So there's a lot that individual festivals and, and also uniform and, you know, and festivals together under a more positive trade umbrella would would get the message out probably faster and more accurately than government would. And I think I think that you mentioned and and James, you said about the sort of trade association. Obviously, we are members of various trade associations. I totally agree with you. There isn't one, and and some try and sort of double up. And I think it's a, some wasted energy goes in there. I think there is some scope there, and we're involved in some of the sort of the you know a, a trade association that sort of is is coming together regarding some of the sort of major. I would say events from the organizer side and i can see this definitely become a subject here that and i think one reason why that is being formed is to create some sort of lobbying lever um with the with the, with the department of, uh, of culture and media and, and and that's that's basically where we come under and to try and get some buy-in and get them to recognize that we actually do you know we are farmer we have a you know significant economic impact on on the area and so does every other event and so you know we've actually that's helped us in in developing some of uh, you know, justifying some of our development and some of our funding going forward and that's all got to link up to the to the government um, and whether it's local government or, or central government and certainly so we're going to be taking it forward as far as participation in some of these um, sort of networking situations with these trade associations and try and join the dots up a little bit somewhere and to actually get some power and some teeth that um, Mr. Government, look, we are a significant, you know, uh, export, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, um, and, and contributor. Um, in many other forms of industry, um, ISO uh, standards play an important part in telling customers the level that you are working at. And, and giving confidence to customers of the level that you're working at. ISO um, 20121, Sustainable Event Certification, SEC, provides certification to the international standard which specifies the requirements for an event sustainability management system to improve the sustainability of events. So there is an ISO standard. Um, how many events are actually aware of this, Nick? There are. The, you get a lot of news coming through um, that people have achieved a standard, and it's you know, but it's a it's a splash and it's a it's a news thing that and they work. They've worked very hard to do it. It's absolutely to their credit that they do do it. And I don't think they probably get enough recognition, whether that's uh, through tax breaks or financial incentive from government or local government or whatever it is. And I think they should probably give you know be given more financial respect for that. And that would be a great motivator to get everyone else to join in and do it. Is the effort of going through something like that though? perhaps um, putting off event organisers from, from from the red tape that they may think they have to go through in order to gain certifications at that level? No, I think, as I say, at the Farnborough, we've, we've just actually, it's quite, quite good timing, because I've said we've just, just come through our ISO 2012-1 accreditation you know, with, with, with success. Um, the reason we put that in place, or the reason why we decided to go for that formal external accreditation, that's what it is, it's been you know externally audited, um, a lot of companies, a lot of organisers will find that they are doing things correctly, they are doing things well, they're running a good business, they're sustainable, but all that makes that do, and the only reason why we did it is it, it makes it put it down in writing, it gives you, uh, somebody taught me a long time ago, is, you know, what, what you can't measure, you can't improve. So if it starts you benchmarking things, it starts you, something. if nothing else, it makes you do that. There's nothing complicated about it, and there's a lot of, unfortunately, consultants out there that, that I think, you know, quite wrongly, portraying that sort of that standard I'm not here saying everybody has to have a standard yes as part of us 
engaging with ISO. Um, we internal as part of the engagement will trickle down to our contractors and in fact a lot of the contractors had it before we did. Um, so that was good news and when we banged the table a few years ago they took heed and they got on and did it. Or something similar, it doesn't have to be 2012-1, a lot of the other industries have something similar. Um, but but I, but I said I think it's that way of benchmarking, whether it's, you know, we come back to the waste thing, it's, 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 and then seeing how you improve your energy consumption, seeing what you're using, what you're improving. And it's not necessarily have to improve, it means you're actually focusing, it means you can engage your staff, you engage your contractors. Um, as I said, we, we've set up recently a, a, you know, a simple thing as having a green team within the company. It's just focusing. You know, you've got your you've got your your real sort of eco warrior type people who really want to get into it, but also you've got your quite passive people that actually just want to feel good and actually it talks about the technology side. Um, it has some input in that, so it gives everybody an opportunity to sit around on a on a, on a one or two times a year, see some quick wins. There's always the quick wins of whether it's the you know the energy consumption or something, but it's also then going a little bit deeper, and that's where it involves the sustainability generally as a company. How long was the process to achieve the ISO uh, standard um, and how easy or difficult was it to actually uh, attain that? Um, we did it over about an 18 month period. We actually split out now because we're, we're a sl- say an oddball, we're, 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 everybody's a bit of an oddball, but because we had a, because we had the, you know, we have the airshow every two years, which obviously again is difficult, you can only measure it when you're doing it, so you can't measure it every, you know, every year. Obviously we also have the, the on-site venue business, which is five. And obviously we have the office, um, you know, the, the general day-to-day business of the office. So we tended to split it down, and so we could get some wins initially. And then the last measurement was the air show, said so back in 2014, where we started the bench, benchmark actually stuff. And then obviously we'll have another accreditation in a year's time. It's a three-year process. Um, and then come 2016 air show, we'll be able to see where we stand and um, and measure and go forward from there. So. It's as difficult and as easy as you want to make it. Um, it's definitely something you need to engage people with. You can't do it on your own again. Um, you need to have somebody sort of guiding you who does know your way through the, the forest. Um, but as I said, it's as easy and hard as you want to make it, and as simple as hard as you want to make it. Um, how, how do we go about making things like ISO 2121 accessible to smaller events? Because I, I'm concerned that there are a lot of smaller events operating within the industry and operating very, very well that are seeking to achieve these levels of, of success and accreditation that, that may be put off by the fact that, well, it's okay Farnborough International Air Show being able to achieve that standard, but how do I do that with a, you know, two and a half thousand I don't festival? Think, I don't think that's where I think you don't, you don't necessarily say it has to be the ISO. And I, that's what I'm saying is some of our contractors are, are, are one-man companies and I wouldn't expect them to come back to it. That's not sustainable for them to spend several thousand pounds on engaging on a on a on a on an ISO program. But it's asking, you know, the first thing question is is what's your sustainable policy? Everybody can have a sustainability policy and that's a quite a simple document. That doesn't mean you're entering into an ISO policy. But get 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 them thinking, get their mind thinking about well what's on a but also give them a bit of help as well. So if they come back and say, sorry, I'm, I'm not being thick here, but you know, what is a sustainable policy? You know, help them. You know, some of the bigger events I think this is where they can feed something back into the Back into the industry. Nick, you're nodding. Well, I just think it's, I think it's almost easier for a smaller company than it is for something like Farber in a way, because if you've got, you know, if you're a nascent five strong company, you just everybody starts from the ground up and does it, and and so actually you're not. It, it, it's relatively easy to reach a level of accreditation anyway. So I think that's absolutely right. Start start small. You don't have to get the same certificate, but you can be absolutely 
good and green about what it is you do. And it, you know, and then anyone who joins the company, it's already happened. And that's a lot of it is to make it part of the the policy of the company that you join, rather than trying to write a policy from the ground up. Interesting. If um, if people listening today have got any examples, if we've got organisers out there who are who are listening to the podcast and have got examples, would like to get in touch with us about their own sustainability, their own sustainable policies and how they're working with suppliers um, and indeed their audiences on promoting uh, a more sustainable event, please get in touch. Um, you can tweet the podcast at Talking Events. I'm sure there'll be more information to be found on the Event Industry News website. Before we wrap up, um, Jonathan Anderson, um, if people want to find out more about uh, Green D+, how do they go about doing it? From next week onwards, there'll be a website, greendplus.com. Lovely. But so plus spelt P L U S rather than the the you know the plus sign. I'm sure we'll be able to uh, to tweet links to that from the Talking Events Twitter and uh, and likelihood is as well there'll be some information about that on the Event Industry News website. So we uh, we need to wrap up uh, today's episode. It uh, just leaves me to say thank you to Jonathan Anderson for joining us. Jonathan, thank you. Thank you. Jonathan Smith, Farmer International Air Show. Thanks for your input yeah, today. Thank you. Nick Howden, as always, a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. This has been Talking Events. Tweet us at Talking Events and watch a video of today's podcast via the Event Industry News YouTube channel.